man, I cannot stand it here. He said, dude, it's just a job, man. All of us, every one of us, we're just cogs in a wheel, dude. Mm. Like, I, I don't even think my manager knows I'm here right now. <laughs> and I remember saying, oh, then why are you still working here? <laughs> and then he fired back and he said, I've already applied to three other places. And as soon as I get a chance mm. to bounce, I'm gone. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he's having a bad day. So I went and asked another employee and another and another and another. And at the end of the 35 minutes that I had, I interviewed six of his staff members. And at the end of those conversations, five out of the six of his employees said they would not be working for him and his store in less than three and a half months. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We've got a great show. There's so much going on to, in the world. I was on a couple conversations earlier today about adaptability, about change. You know, one of the one of the interesting questions that came up was about: Do you feel in control of your life? How in control of your life do you feel on a one to ten scale? Which was very interesting because I, I I've been talking about this. I posted a couple things up on LinkedIn. Uh, and about normal, you know, everybody talks about we're getting back to normal. Joyce, we can see from your background, things are sort, you know, <laughs> getting back to, to the way it was. I mean, you, you, your first live presentation was earlier today. You know, you're in a yes, in a hotel room. We had our we two weeks ago. We spent the first time in our ho hotel room in over six, fifteen months or so. Plane ride. So those things were were were, were starting to get. I won't say go getting back to normal because they feel different. They're different. They're unusual. It's not quite the same as it was. That going back to work is is that hybrid. So we're we're gonna we're we're talking a lot about that. If you have opinions on that, please let us know. Please share them with us. If you want to join the show, if you're a speaker and you have you you have your ideas about what normal is going to be, how do how do we if if normal is going to be VUCA or normal is going to be in a continuous state of flux, how do we each develop flow? How do we each become comfortable in a constant state of flux? And people, you know, sometimes right. describe normal as predictable, not going to happen. That, that's not going to be <laughs> not anytime soon, that, though. <laughs> that's history. But we have a couple great guests today, and I can't wait to talk to Clint Pulver. We had a short conversation with Clint right before the show, and Clint has a new book out called "I Love It Here," and it's about how do how do organizations create a place people don't want to leave. And part of that was, you know, he's a millennial. As, as a kid, I, I was always tapping. I was always playing. I was in the, in a, in a factory in the high school band when I was in elementary school. So that was, that was the big thing in a small town. So you took the lessons and you, you participated. So I was all, I, I didn't play the drums because my parents 
said, you know, it's too noisy. You don't want to do the drums. But I was always drumming on the surface. I was drumming, you know, on the table. And if I was in services, I was drumming on the, you know, on the, the row in front of me. And it was always, knock it off. Stop it. Clint's parents did it the other way. They found, yes. and he, he, he'll talk, he'll, I'm sure he'll tell about the story. Yes, I, I wanted to tell that story. Channel that energy into that. So he's got a great presentation. So I can't wait to talk to Clint, but. Yes, uh, so, uh, so let's bring him on. Hmm? Yeah. Well, I actually want to do a couple oh, of things. Oh, right, 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 right. So Sorry. we've got a second guest today. We got Tova Sherman. So who was supposed to be with us a couple of weeks ago. We couldn't, technical problems, couldn't get her on. And Tova's going to talk about inclusionisms, especially she has 18 inclusionisms. She has a new book, Win, Win, Win. And it's about, especially disability. When we talk about diversity, inclusion, oftentimes disabled people are excluded from that. And when you think about it, disability is probably a common thread. You know, whether you're black or white, whether you're male or female, whether you're gay or straight, where you're young or old, yes. diversity. I mean, when you talk about diversity, you know, including disabled people, because we will all, one of, our, one of our suggestions is we will all sometimes have a disability at one time or another. Right. So that, that'll that be an interesting conversation. So we're going to start with Clint, follow that up. One one announcement about tomorrow. I've been talking about this for a while. A 20th is coming, is here. I have my webinar, Grow and Thrive in an F, FCDD world. And it's free. Uh, hopefully you join. We have a pretty large group coming. And as I started the show talking about how do you get in control of your life in a, in a VUCA world or an FCDD world, how do you uh, how do you do that? So we're going to be talking about adaptability. You can the website's displayed on the screen for those who are listening. It's bit.ly forward slash aqai520. Bit.ly forward slash aqai520. So hopefully you'll take advantage of that. Without and last thing, we want to thank our sponsors in Gomu. Uh, we'll hear from them, hear from Ngomu in short at, during the break, and also Success Performance Solutions. And later we'll put up a URL where people can sign up for the launch event. Excellent. Yeah, which is coming up also next week, yes. I believe. So, so right now is I want to bring on our mo undercover millennial or millennial millennial undercover. <laughs> uh, for those of you who have, you might have seen the show Undercover Boss. Well, here we've got Clint Pulver. He's our uh, millennial undercover. Welcome, Clint. <laughs> Thank you, you two. It's an honor to be on the show. I appreciate it. Great yeah. to have you with us, Clint. So yeah. as, as you heard, uh, let's start with a couple things. You know, I think you might have heard in the, in, while you were in the green room, my, my history of drumming. Still, it's, it's one of my goals. You and I chatted a little bit about that. So as a kid, give us your story, how, how you got into that. And then, you know, obviously that led into you know, what your philosophy is and, and taking care of people and inspiring people. Yeah, I was the kid in school that I just had a hard time sitting still, just like you talked about, Ira. I, I couldn't focus. I would tap, 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 tap. And obviously everybody sees that as a problem, <laughs> as an annoyance. And I got called the twitcher. People called me the tapper. The teachers would constantly say, sit still, hold still, stop tapping, sit on your hands. And it happened again and again and again until one day I had a teacher and his name was Mr. Jensen. And he looked at me as I was tapping in class and he said, he said, young man, I need to see you after class. I need you to stay here and we're going to have a, we're going to have a conversation. Great. And I remember thinking like, this is it. I am getting kicked out of school as a 10 year old. All the other kids are like, oh, Twitcher's going to die. <laughs> you don't want to stay after class. 
and the bell rang, everybody left, and it was a completely empty room minus me and Mr. Jensen, and he motions for me to come over to the back of the room. And as I sat down, the first thing that he asked me was, do you know why we're talking right now? Do you know why we're having a conversation? And I said, yeah, it's, it's because I can't sit still. And he said, listen, Clint, you're kind of the kid that's on the list. You know, everybody sees this issue. You tap in my class. You tap in everybody else's class. You never hold still. The kids call you names. You're, you're, it, it's, it is an issue. But I've sat back and I've watched you. And he says, it's crazy. You, you'll take a pen. And you'll start writing with your right hand. And then you'll tap with your left hand. And then he said, then, you, then you'll switch the pen. And you'll start writing with your left hand. And then you'll tap with your right hand. And he looked at me and he said, I, I, I think you're ambidextrous. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm Presbyterian. He said, no, 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 no. He said, that's not what it means. No, he said, can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? And I gave it a go and I could do it. And he said, now switch it. He said, can you rub your head and then tap your belly? And back and forth without thinking about it, I could do it. And he sat back in his chair and he looked at me and he said, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. <laughs> and some people hear that and they're like, what's the difference between those two things? <laughs> but it was a moment, you two, that he created in my life that represented possibility. That was uh, one of the first times in my life where somebody looked at my inability to sit still and said, no, 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 there's opportunity here. There's potential. There's, there's good. N not, not, not something that, that's, that's problematic. And he, I'll never forget, he, he reached back in his desk and he opened up the top drawer and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks, <sighs> my very first pair. And he put them in my hands and he said, Clint, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I, I just, I need you to promise me that you'll keep them in your hands as much as you can. Hmm. And that was 23 years ago. And I can sit here today and honestly tell you that 23 years ago, literally to this exact moment, I have tried my best to keep my promise to Mr. Jensen. And, and you that, never go anywhere without your drumsticks. Yeah, pretty much. I, I've been a professional drummer for a very long time and have been able to play with amazing artists and tour and record all over the world. And all because somebody believed in me, all because somebody created hope and possibility out of an issue, a problem. You know, just yesterday, I, was, I finally got back into going to the gym and looking for something to, to watch. Stairmasters can be pretty boring when you're doing it for 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> See a staring in a screen. And I watched the, uh, it was a story about Adam Lambert and Queen, mm. which you, I'm sure you would relate to. You know, and Adam Lambert as a, as a kid was really singled out. Yeah. I mean, not only did he feel he didn't belong, but, you know, and his parents were fortunate enough to recognize and they sent him to theater you know, camp and he realized being on stage and, and doing all that was 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 the revelation and look where he is. So, you know, I, I guess the transition to this in the world that Joyce and I live in and, and you as well, talking about, you know, experiences that le good leaders recognize these talents, recognize that it's not creating a bunch of robots and clones and having a benchmark and everybody has to fit to that model is who are the people that bring those exceptional skills, those out of the ordinary skills, and how do you hone those, and how do you let them shine? And you know, companies better be, get figure that out quick because there's certainly a shortage of talent 
unless they're looking for a bunch of widgets to, to, to plug in. It's also, I think, Ira, about taking the talent that you have and finding their uniqueness. Oh, absolutely. And, and their, their gifts. Like me, the frustrated drummer. Nobody <laughs> would know that if I wasn't talking about it because it's like, oh, I, I don't want to tap on my desk because it, it'll be annoying to other people. We're stopping it rather than, than bringing it out. Clint, you, you've had, I mean, I definitely want to talk about this undercover millennial. Because, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's, it sounds, you know, we, again, people have probably seen the undercover boss and what the boss learns, you know, when they go in. Tell us about, I mean, you came up with this idea. Where did that come from? And what did you learn from, from being, you know, being the undercover millennial? Yeah, great question. So five years ago, I was a part of a mastermind group. We were in New York City meeting with CEOs and executives and in the fast hustle and bustle of the crazy city. And one of the gentlemen that we met with owned a large sporting good retail store in Manhattan. And beautiful store, employees were there and we're sitting there talking to him about his business and his strategy. And he talked about how he needed to adapt over the years. He needed to change the strategy to meet the demands of an ever-changing marketplace. And I'll never forget in his thick New York accent, he said, you got to adapt or you're going to die. <laughs> you're gonna die and i was like wow that's very profound and then i i just asked him we opened it up for q a and i said what what about your management style and you know what about people have you felt the need to adapt there as well and he fired back instantly and he said no 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 mm -mm, no need to change there uh -huh. what i did what i do today i did 20 years ago i was like wow okay it was interesting because he felt the need to change to an ever-changing marketplace right the demands of, of, of a business strategy. But when it came to people, there was no need for adaptation. And I remember I looked around in that moment and all of his employees were my age or younger. I'm a millennial. I'm a, I was born in that, that, that generational year. And they were Gen Z or millennials. So a little bit younger than I was. And I just thought, I said, I wonder, I wonder if they would say the same thing. I wonder if they would have the same story and tell the same, you know, have the same reality that he does. Clearly so I think gentlemen for his time. Yeah, well, we had 35 minutes to kill until I needed to be the, to the next place. I had nothing else better to do. And, and mind you, I was just a customer that day. I, I looked like this. I had a backwards hat on. I was wearing a hoodie. And I just, with the time I had, I walked up to the first employee that I saw. And I said, hey, I'm just curious. What's it like to work here? Hmm. And the employee got really quiet. <laughs> looked around. I felt like we were doing an illegal drug exchange. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, he goes, he said, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah. He goes, man, I cannot stand it here. He said, dude, it's just a job, man. All of us, every one of us were just cogs in a wheel, dude. Mm. Like, I, I don't even think my manager knows I'm here right now. <laughs> and I remember saying, oh, then why are you still working here? And then he fired back and he said, I've already applied to three other places. And as soon as I get a chance to bounce, I'm gone. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he's having a bad day. So I went and asked another employee and another and another and another. And at the end of the 35 minutes that I had, I interviewed six of his staff members. And at the end of those conversations, five out of the six of his employees said they would not be working for him and his store in less than three and a half months. Wow. The perception of leadership versus the reality of the employee experience could not have been further apart. That was, that was the moment. 
that was the day for me that I thought, my goodness, what if he could hear this? Because he has no clue. I, I, I do. And, and in my years of doing this, I've been doing it for almost five years. We've worked with 181 organizations and I've interviewed over 10,000 employees undercover. And for the most part, most managers have no idea they're doing poorly because there's no incentive for an employee to go and honestly tell a manager what they really think, what they really feel. You know, we do the one-on-one -on -one management meetings, right? We sit down and tell me how I can be better for you. And I remember my days in corporate America. And when I was frustrated with a manager, there was no way I'm going to sit there and say, yeah, you're the dude that always micromanages me in everything I do. You're the guy that, that whenever we win, you take all the credit. Or when we lose as a team, you, you blame everybody else. I, I just, I wouldn't say that. I didn't want to get blacklisted. I didn't want to be the dramatic one. But I would tell another millennial, right? I, I would. You know, and and, and that, that was, the, that was the, 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 the situation and the environment that I was able to create. Simply based off of my age, I could go into an organization and create this environment where employees could speak their truth. And the, and the magic, you two, the magic of all of this was not found when I would go undercover and, and be someone who was looking for a job. I'd go up and say, hey, I'm just you know, looking to apply. What's it like to work here? The magic was not found when an employee was dissatisfied with their job. The magic was found when I would walk up to an employee and say, what's it like to work here? And they would respond with, I love it here. I love my job. I love what we're doing. You should apply. And then when that would response would trend from employee to employee to employee, why? What were those leaders doing to create that kind of a culture, that kind of an environment where people thrive? They didn't just survive at work. And that's why we decided to write a book about it. And for the last four years, I have been writing, I love it here, how great leaders create organizations that people never want to leave. And it's, it's, it's a unique perspective because it's not another leadership book written by a, you know, a leadership expert. That's not what this is. This is a book written by 10,000 employees mm. that their leaders were getting it right. So in your research, Clint, you discovered that there were four types of managers in Correct. your view. Talk about that a little. Yeah, if an employee was satisfied or dissatisfied with their job, I could always tailor it and bring it down to two variables. The standards that that organization had or the manager had and the connection that that company created or the lack thereof of both. So standards and connection, if they were mad or they were frustrated, it was because they didn't like the policies or they didn't like how they initiated something or managed things or they didn't like how they were being paid or they felt like they were never heard or seen or understood. So connection and standards. So. Those two variables we'll use as I kind of break these down. The first manager that we found was what was called the removed manager. This is the manager that's low on their standards. They're also low on connection. This is the manager that probably should have stopped managing 15 years ago. They're just tired. Yeah, they did stop managing 15 totally. years ago. Yeah. Or leading anyway. Exactly. They're burnt out. They're just, they're just done. They don't really care if somebody shows up on time. They sit back in the office. They kind of bark the orders, do your thing. I don't have time for you. So what did this create in the workforce? Disengagement. Where the employees are like, yeah, it's, you know, I'm just not, it's just a job. I'm just passing through. I could care less, you know, if I show up on time or I don't, if I hit my note, nobody cares. So it created a disengaged culture. The second manager was the buddy manager. Very, very unique uh, situation. They were really good at connecting, high on connection, but low on standards. Mm -hmm. 
This was the situation that created almost a model of, you're my friend. They were liked more than they were respected. <laughs> These were the managers that they literally, they would go and play Xbox on the weekends with all of the team. And then they'd come in Monday morning, guns a blazing saying, hey guys, we got to do better. We got to perform. And everyone's like, what? I, I just saved you in Call of Duty on Saturday. <laughs> and, and, and love that. In and and it just didn't work. So it created a sense of entitlement where almost the employees became more of the boss than the boss did. The, 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 the third manager, number three, unfortunately the most common was the controller, the controlling manager, high on standards, low on connection. This is sometimes that older command and control style of leadership. Put your head down, go to work. Don't, don't, don't millennial, don't whine to me, millennial. Don't, don't cry to me, Gen Z. You know how we used to do this 20 years ago? Don't, 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 I show you I love you because I give you a paycheck. Do your job. And what did this create? Rebellion. Constant rebellion. Employee and manager going toe-to-toe -to -toe every day. And it was a battle. And it was fear-based tactics, manipulation. Do your job or I'm going to fire you. You're easy to replace. Hmm. But the fourth, the fourth manager. <clears throat> man, and this this was really the magic, uh, you two. It was, it was what I call the mentor manager. Mm. They were high on their standards, but they were also equally high on their ability to connect. And what did this create? Respect. They were not always liked, but they were respected. And it creates loyalty. Like you can't even imagine. I mean, it, and it, 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 the beautiful thing is that it was voluntarily created. I call it mentorship. It's mentorship versus management. Sometimes we categorize leaders and managers. In my yes. research, I found this middle ground and it was mentorship. When an employee hated their job, they talked about the manager. But when they loved their job, they talked about the mentor. This person that because of who they were, the, 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 the innate traits and the, the respect they created, the characteristics of a mentor, where people said, I like myself best because I'm with you. you. You are the person that will connect me to my dreams while I'm working. Mm. If, if a, a beautiful thing to witness. If, if a leader can communicate that message, that is just irresistible in terms of bonding employees with that organization and with that leader. What are what do you consider the secret powers hidden in every employee? I was fascinated to read that. <laughs> I think that every employee has, you know, it's almost like the Mr. Jensen story. We all have possibility. We all have potential, but we also have worth. Every every employee, we, we want to feel seen. We want to feel recognized. We want to feel valued and seen for the efforts and the contributions that we're making at the place that we spend so much of our time. And so I, I believe those two things, potential and worth, possibility, recognition. On the potential side, I talk about growth opportunities. Can we grow? Can I grow in this company? Not just up the ladder, but can you grow me as a person? For example, we worked with a large uh, dental chain. And the specific office manager, when we went and did undercover work, they had a lot of hygienists. And the hygienists couldn't really grow as far as up a position, right? They couldn't really pay them more. But the office manager knew the importance of showing people possibility, that we grow humans, not just employees, that we care about what you do outside of the, outside of the job. 
And she enrolled, she gave every employee the opportunity to enroll in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Wow. And she looked at her employees and she said, you know what, I, I can't pay you more. We can't really promote you, but we can help you get out of debt. And we can help you, you know, pay off your home. It was a beautiful example of, of, of social possibility, connecting people to their dreams, getting to the part about them. So that would be the potential aspect. The other part is worth, recognition, seeing people. There were, there were very common trends and in, in ways that people wanted to be recognized. And when companies understood to make that recognition an individual experience, became so powerful. And a lot of it didn't cost a dime. The number one thing that employees talked about the most was vocal praise, vocal praise, vocal praise. You know, they just, they recognize me. He sends me an email once a month, just letting me know of the things I'm doing well. You know, they, they take the time to give me the that of boys and that of girl. And I see what you're doing. It costs the company zero dollars. But to your people, those things mean something. So worth potential, two superpowers that if you can tap into those two things, you're doing something that a lot of companies don't consistently do day after day. Clint, we're coming up toward the end here, and, and there's two questions I have. One, one, one specifically, I, I want to make sure we cover. Great. And that is, I can, you know, we give it away. I mean, Joyce and I are obviously baby boomers. If, if it's a secret, hopefully that wasn't a secret, <laughs> you know. But we, we obviously have a different attitude than a lot of our peers toward this. What you found, though, was not just, you know, as, as you as from a baby boomer listening, I can see that, oh, all these all these millennials were ready to jump ship in three months. And they go, yeah, that's that's just millennials. No loyalty, nothing there. You found this be way beyond millennials. This is your research didn't just say, oh, this is how you 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 attract and retain millennials. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I I I I, I try my hardest to steer away from that. I, I, there's a lot of people that, you know, even in our industry that are like, you know, I'm the millennial expert. I, you know, these are the top five things you need to be doing to retain millennial talent. And I, as a millennial myself, and in the research I have done for the last almost five years, that is a fallacy. That is a fallacy. We can't, we have to, we have to stop looking at people as a generation. If we think as business leaders that, okay, you're young and I, I read this article in Forbes and it said that we got to give, you know, beanbag chairs and more time off and you got to you know, be the manager next week or you're going to leave. That's not true. I found millennials in my research that were entitled. I did find millennials that were lazy, uh, that weren't committed. But I also found millennials who were incredible individuals, loyal, dedicated, hardworking, beautiful communicators. We cannot, you know, millions, of, we're talking millions of people. We cannot just stereotype a generation based off of the year you were born and do this one size fits all approach. There is no quick hack. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes connection. It's called relationships. And we have to get in the seat and, and, and be willing to drive that journey with our people. Take time to get to know them. Good leaders know what they need to do. The great leaders know what they need to stop so that they can connect more. If you want to know that the millennial generation or the millennial generation, you want to know the boomers, give people time. Uh, understand that relationships take time. Everybody is a unique individual with unique perspectives and upbringing and cultural background. Sure. And when we can get to the part about them, then 
that creates the foundation that lasts. And that's exactly so, Clint, why. How do we get your? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, so, so that's that's exactly Clint why I didn't write Geek Skeezers Googleization too. That was actually prior to a podcast. That was my book because I didn't want to just talk about the generations yes. anymore. Yeah. And I, and I do have one final quick question. Great. If we pulled the camera back if we were able to do that. You you have control of your camera. Are you sitting in front of your drums? Yes, sir. Yes, we've got the drums live in the studio. They are set up, fired up, ready to rock and roll at any time. I was just picturing you on your stool and with 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 the drum set in front of you, so that your your comfort zone. That, that's right. It's 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 literally my happy place here. All right, let's see. Let's see if we can. How's that? Is that a little better view? Yeah, absolutely. Not working. Oh, let's see. Let's see. There we go. There it is. There, it is. Oh, there we go. In the in the hot seat. So yeah, this is a this is where we're living now. Yeah. How can people get a hold of you, Clint? Yeah, they can check out the website, clintpulver.com. And, and then the book is available on Amazon. It's called I Love It Here, How Great Leaders Create Organizations Their People Never Want to Leave. And I just appreciate you too. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for what you're doing. And I hope we can do it again soon. Hey, thank, thank you, you Clint. Clint. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And congratulations on the book. Can't, get, can't wait to finish reading it. I, I highly recommend everybody go up and get a copy of that. It certainly fits with our message that we've been trying to, to preach for, for, for a while. Hopefully we get it across. Continue success, Clint. Hopefully we'll run into you one of these days. Thanks, you too. Keep Means trying. <laughs> thank you. Bye. You know, you know, I really wanted to ask him to play his drums a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 actually, <laughs> I thought of that before. I didn't really, and then when I saw him sitting there, I go, "He's got to be sitting in front of the drums. It just looks like that setup." I, I was starting to envision it. The what was I going to say? Oh, last year at this time, what was reminded me, and it's a shout out to her. We interviewed a young millennial. She's only about twenty six, twenty seven, and she goes by not Brianna Shelton, and she goes by I'm not the, the not so millennial millennial. And again, it was shattering all, it was shattering all the stereotypes that are out there. And she had, I think she had 15 different gigs she was going on. And she was in the real estate. She's a singer. She had a, a social media company. Certainly didn't fit into the lazy, you know, low work ethic. And again, right. we got to get a lot of plates, yeah. obviously. So we, Right. So we can talk about that for a long time, but we've got another great guest coming up in a few minutes. Tover Sherman. We're going to be talking about inclusionisms, disability in the workplace, and can't wait to get to her. Uh, we'll continue that conversation. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to hear from our two sponsors in Gomu and Success Performance Solutions. Thanks for watching Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? 
Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Before we jump in, uh, follow up with the adaptability. Don't forget that we've got our webinar coming up tomorrow, May 20th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, How to Grow and Thrive in an F-Up World, F-C-D-D Up World. Frustrating, confusing, disappointing, and distracting. And thank you again to our first guest, Clint Pulver, for talking talking about how do you get a company that all your employees say, I love it here. But now we're, and we're going to continue that conversation in a little different way. In the intro, I mentioned how we've had a, quite a few conversations. It's a huge, huge topic in the world of business and HR is diversity, yes. inclusion, and equity. Last week, we had great guests, Shalange Shira. We were talking about that as well. But now we've got Tova Sherman. Tova has a new book, Win, Win, Win. 18 inclusion inclusionisms yes. right uh, as she calls them two examples and i hope these i don't know if these are included among her favorites but i'm looking i'm reading down her table of contents and one was everyone is had has or will have a disability and the other is diversity without inclusion is like a house without a foundation welcome oh, i love tova. that <laughs> welcome tova Hello, I'm worth the wait. I'm such a headache, but I'm worth the wait. Thank you, Joyce and Ira. You know, they don't let me on the computer a lot, and this is why. <laughs> so let's talk about win, win, win. Let's talk about inclusionism. Let's like, I mean, you've had a career, your your company, your organization you work with, or work your organization that they work with is reachability. Yeah. Reachability yeah. Association started over 20 years ago. And it's an NGO, a nonprofit that's dedicated to equalizing the playing field, as I like to say, one person at a time. And although we are inclusive of disability, we're not exclusive. We believed any marginalized community member deserves the playing field equalized, nothing special about it. So I wrote the book because I'm a public speaker for years and my staff kept saying, you always have these good sayings. And we started putting them on t-shirts at the reachability store. Sayings like you mentioned. Now my favorite's probably the fish stinks from the head, Ira. I just love the sound of it, but I'm from Nova Scotia. So it could be that I'm just really connected to the ocean. But I want you to know that they kept saying, let's put these somewhere where people can really use them and value them. And as a person living on the ADHD spectrum, which won't surprise those that know what that is, but it's like a rainbow without all the color. So you have the mild, the medium, and you have the severe. And I'm quite severe. So I have a lot of energy and I have a lot of impatience. So I think I got these isms together because I love to make my point quickly. And it seemed like these were the ones that really guide people. And it's a reference book. It's not a huge read. I'm not going to make you read War and Peace. In fact, that wouldn't be very good for a person with ADHD. No, I haven't read it. Exactly. And not even the movie. But yep. the point is, yep. that's, that's, that's <laughs> it's not only thin, but there's pictures. In fact, one of my tears, when you talk about, I mentioned the fish stinks from the head. Look at this wonderful work by Lee Cripps, an artist with disability. Wow, right here. nice. Very nice. He got Beautiful. my seeing, and then we wrote a little bit about it, and then in practice, which is how to apply it right now. 
So that's why we got the book out. It really complements the work I do around North America as a public speaker and as an educator around inclusion of persons with disabilities. So, People uh, with disabilities represent an amazing reservoir of talent for employers today. So the question in my mind is, how do we help the employers who are crying for this talent find the people with the disabilities who can do those jobs and who would love to do those jobs and be very loyal and long-term employees? How do we get them together? Well, I always used to imagine, I, I, I like metaphors, but I always say it's like a cruise ship running aground because like at Reachability, my agency, we do a tremendous amount of services for the individual that's trying to get employed. For instance, I have a lot of employment programming. And then I say, but what about the employer? They're on like the beach going, don't look at me. So as you mentioned, we have this need to expand our talent pool, Joyce. We have this need to get the right person, right job. Preferably, they'll stick around for more than 20 minutes. And we have this need to have diversity because you only have to read your Harvard Business Report, your McKinsey Reports, you name it. They're all saying the same thing. We can prove without a shadow of a doubt that the diversity and inclusion of people with disabilities in the workplace benefits both the bottom line dollar as well. So I'm not gonna have that argument with you. What I'm gonna say is we haven't figured out yet how to get started. And I tell employers from the top down, you've gotta do the work, first of all, from the top down. But what I'm saying to them is let's not make it like an add-on. Every time I do training for HR people and managers and they say, you know, one day the boss comes and says, now I want you to focus on this diversity thing right? And it becomes this add-on to them. Why are you adding work? Now, what I say to employers is, and leaders, let's go back to our value statement. That's even before our mission statement. And I always do this when someone is going to hire me to speak. I look at their statement and I see where in it they talk about diversity and inclusion, not just disability, diversity. And usually it's page 48J. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> remind the employers that if we actually took the time to dust off those values and ask ourselves if the verbiage, the reality, the meaning, the messaging mm. hasn't changed and it isn't valuable enough to consider going back. Because the whole purpose of this book is the three wins. And I rejoice you. I know you know who Stephen Covey is. And Covey oh, sold yeah. 85 million or so books probably more like 60, but I'm an exaggerator. He sold a gazillion books <laughs> about the concept of win-win. Now, of mm -hmm. course, for those of your you know, listeners and viewers who don't know what that really means, he really likes the idea of the used car salesman and the buyer of the car can both benefit. Why was it in business at one time someone had to lose? Now, he really popularized, and still today we talk about it a lot, the idea of I want my customer to win and I want to win. The whole idea of win, win, win is truly updating the thinking of Covey to our today world, which is if you have a third win, that means you're inclusive and likely confident around inclusion and hopefully around disability as well. Do you think wow. with the events of the last year, certainly with video, with hybrid workforce, you know, one of the challenges before, I don't know if this was in the book or in one of your 
something I read about you. you. You talked about ramps and handrails, you know, and that that used to be the challenge. How do we get them in? You know, we 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 don't have stairs, we don't have elevators, we don't have this, we don't have that. We're a small business. How do we accommodate? How do we do all that accommodation? And then all of a sudden is now we have this ability to hire people that have disabilities that, that if they have a physical or maybe some a, a mental disability, but especially physical, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So there's all these talented people that are able to now join the workforce. Do you think this is, I mean, it's a huge opportunity, but what are some of the challenges that companies still may face with, with making that transition? Okay, that, that question I could answer for a day. So I'm going to try to break it down for my sake. Maybe it's the ADHD. You, you got about five minutes. Huge, Ira. Five seconds. Okay, here's the story. Five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, that's better than five seconds. Okay, that's the five-second look. I guess what I want to say, because I do want to get the most important stuff out, and that is about what leaders can do. Here's the reality, Ira. They have done studies as recently as 2020. And what we've discovered is... There is a problem not with the capacity of people with disabilities to work, mm-hmm. but the bias around what people right. view of people with disabilities. In other words, whether conscious or unconscious, the barrier for someone like myself to getting the job is not my inability to do it. It's your lack of belief that I can. And you're not even knowing that's affecting your decision not to mm-hmm. engage me or not to broaden your talent pool to include me. And so, I, I mean, I do talk in the book, one of my isms is you can remove all the architectural barriers in the world, but it's the attitudinal ones that remain. That's a very timely one, although it's many years old, because it addresses your very right. question. As a person with disability, if I wasn't be able to leave my home, this is great. Now other people are working from home. It's become popularized. I get what you're saying. But there's a huge flip side to that, which is isolation issues. We don't want to always be just sure. at home. But nothing we're discussing touches the problem, which is bias, conscious or unconscious. That is really the true reason persons with disabilities in America are not working at a higher percentage. And that includes promoted as well. We may get a job, but we're 40 percent less likely to pre-promote it because of the bias, not because we can't do the job. So I really want to answer your question, but I also want to like broaden my thought there a little bit. Well, and, and so I think your chapter what is what is an inclusionism? An inclusionism is a word I made up because I used to call them tovaisms, but that's incredibly narcissistic. Now I did check in with my therapist. She says it's okay. Don't worry about your narcissism. You have an incredible amount of empathy, so I'm safe. But I said to my staff, we can we always call them tovaisms. I said we got to change the name. That's even for me too much. So we decided inclusionisms because really they're isms that will bring you closer to inclusion. And notice I didn't say diversityisms because you can be all diverse as you want. You can hire everybody from everywhere. But if you don't have an inclusive culture that understands that that bias exists and is prepared to do something about it, you're going to be stuck at that. Gee, wouldn't it be nice for basically ever? Yeah. And it's actually worse because there's a disconnect, right? Big. And that's that's really that's that's really a problem. And then there's when there's a joy. Joyce, what about the person with a disability who's now completely stigmatized because society has told them they should be? They're broken. 
Right. Right. So everybody's being affected by this bias, by this misinformation that is really sourced, Ira, from the idea that disability used to be a medical paradigm. We were broken. We needed to be fixed. Whereas now we can talk about the social, I call it human rights paradigm, where we have a right to be heard and not for us without us. That's why it's win, win, win. Because when you include everyone, the business doesn't just win. The customer doesn't win. Everybody does. And there's always more than three, but I didn't have room on the cover for more than win, win, win. (laughs) And I think one, again, one of your other isms, it probably captures what you were just talking about is mindset, where you talk about inclusion is different, not difficult. And and that's pretty much mindset is how do you reframe it and it's just, and if it's different, maybe it's an opportunity and it is an opportunity. I mean, you, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> so we get I'm it. Used to it. But I'm hoping I'm preaching to a few people who aren't in the choir too. That's well, always that's the reason for doing the show is to share this message and that's to bring right. you on. And, yes. and it's been great to meet. How can, how can people get a hold of you, Tova? Well, first of all, if they want the book, it's amazon.com, amazon.ca. If they want me, it's really easy. Tova, T-O-V-A, at reachability.org. I answer my own emails. I'm not a fancy person, but what I am is someone who has a deep sense of responsibility and passion to equalize the playing field for all of our citizens, including those of us living with disability, which is everyone. Which fits into my theme really, really well, talking about adaptability and adaptability is how do we help, how do we help ensure that 100 million people aren't left behind? And that obviously includes. Equalize the playing field for everyone. That's our answer. By the way, I have to tell you before you cut me, I love the name of your show because I've always said I have a need to know. I'm very curious. And Google has a need to tell me. So I've had a very similar (laughs) relationship with Google. Just wanted you to know. Tova, thank you so much for your time. It's really been terrific. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being here. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You're talking about a high-energy show. I mean, we've had uh, with with Clint and Tova. And then I wanted to thank our listeners, Ira, for putting us in the top 10% podcasts on Listen, what's it called? Listen tones, I believe. Listen, listen tones. Listen tunes. Listen tunes. Yeah. Listen tunes. Yeah. Well, whatever. Anyway, so thank you all very much, and we will do our best to keep bringing great guests and great content to you. And before we close, I just quickly wanted to mention the launch for Ingomu, our sponsor, because. What Roxy just put up is that is the URL where people can go and sign up for the launch event. And Bill Jensen is going to be speaking and I'm going to be speaking and promises to be a a fun time. It's at 11 o'clock on in the morning on the 25th of May. 11 o'clock, which, which Eastern, time Eastern. <laughs> I always do Eastern yeah. now. Thanks yeah. to okay. you. Well, we've got people around. And also for those who are listening, who can't see it, it's RSVP at gomu.com. Oh. So it's rsvp.ingomu.com. So you can register up there for May 25th. And, and again, as you said, by the way, it's a little, I, I, 
brain freeze there is listen notes. Listen notes. Uh, listen, right. listen notes. So, so again, and we, and we thank everybody for listening, whether in the top 10 or not. But we, we thank uh, our guests today, Clint Fulver and Tova Sherman. Uh, pick up their new books. I love, I love it here is Clint's new book, Win, 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 is Tova's new book. You can get both of them up on Amazon. Uh, check them out. Great people, high energy. Don't forget tomorrow, May 20th, 1 p.m. And if you you can register anyway, by the way, if you can't make it that time, it'll be recorded and you'll have access to the replay. How to Grow and Thrive in an Effed Up World. It's a bit.live <laughs> forward slash AQAI520. And until next week, live geek skeezers and Googleization. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye, everyone. <laughs>